The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. When we think of the early pioneers in the field of American flight, we'll hear about Amelia Earhart's solo trek across the Atlantic Ocean or Charles Lindbergh's nonstop journey in the spirit of St. Louis. But the textbooks have often overlooked a pivotal figure who made an early mark on aviation history, Bessie Coleman, who in 1921 became the first African-American woman to be a licensed pilot. Coleman was born on January 26th of 1892 and grew up in Texas, the daughter of a Native American and Black father and an African-American mother, who both worked as sharecroppers. As the 12th of 13 children, Coleman worked in the cotton fields after her father left the family to return to his Native reservation. She attended primary school in a one-room wooden shack. For the article this episode is based on, How Stuff Works spoke with Dr. Philip S. Hart. He's written two books on Coleman and also served as an advisor to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum's Black Wings exhibit, which honors Black men and women who have advanced the field of aerospace. Hart said she was a good student, an avid reader. She read about a woman named Harriet Quimby, a woman pilot, 
she thought that might be something she would be interested in doing. As a young woman, Coleman sought a different life for herself than the one her parents had, and she attended what's now called Langston University, but ended up dropping out for financial reasons. She eventually made her way to Chicago, where her brothers lived, and she worked as a manicurist in a local salon. One brother, who had returned from fighting during World War I, regaled her with stories of women pilots in France, joking that Coleman would never be able to fly like them. Such teasing only spurred on Coleman's ambitions to become a pilot. While working in the salon, Coleman met Robert Abbott, publisher of the Chicago Defender, which was a leading newspaper serving the Black community. Abbott would become her mentor, supporting her interests in aviation. Hart explained, One of the reasons he wanted to support her was because he knew her exploits would make for good stories in his newspaper. Based on her gender and skin color, Coleman was denied admission to all of the aviation schools she applied to in the United States. At Abbott's encouragement, Coleman studied French and went to Paris to learn how to fly. While there, Coleman befriended fellow Black American expatriates like entertainer Josephine Baker. After receiving her international pilot's license from the International Aeronautical Federation in 1921, Coleman returned to the United States, but the only job opportunity for a trained pilot delivering mail for the Postal Service was unavailable to her as a Black person and as a woman. So she turned to performing aerial stunts, also known as barnstorming. Her first air show took place at the Checkerboard Field in Chicago in 1922. Hart said, Generally, those air shows attracted anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 people. They're high-energy affairs, big bands. You had pilots doing tricks, wing walkers, parachute jumpers. A very high-energy yet very dangerous event, very profitable for the pilot. Barnstorming became a lucrative way not only to make a living, but also to finance the aeronautical schools that Coleman intended to set up to foster Black participation in aviation. But despite Coleman's drive, winsome personality, and immense talent, it wasn't always an easy career path. Hart said, You're going to get negative reactions from people in general. White people because she's Black and she's a woman. She's going to get a certain kind of reaction from Black people who think she shouldn't be a pilot because it was viewed as something that men should do. So she faced discrimination and conflict from both Black and white people. But for the most part, her support in the Black community was pretty strong. Sadly, tragedy cut short Coleman's life on April 30th of 1926, when she died after falling from her plane while rehearsing for an air show in Jacksonville, Florida. A funeral service was held in Jacksonville, and a much larger one in Chicago, which more than 5,000 people attended, including Black civil rights activist Ida B. Wells, who eulogized Coleman. Coleman's life has seen a renewed interest in recent decades from institutions seeking to honor her pioneering work and legacy as a Black woman in aviation. The U.S. Postal Service honored Coleman by placing her image on a stamp that came out in 1995 as part of their Black Heritage series, and Hart is currently working on a feature film about Coleman's life story. The National Aviation Hall of Fame also enshrined Coleman as one of their honorees in 2006, which Amy Spowart, president and CEO of that organization, called overdue and necessary in an email interview with House Stuff Works. Spowart said, Bessie never took no for an answer. Whether it was working extremely hard to save up the funds needed for lessons, learning French when she realized that she would need to go to France to earn her license, and that she would always fight gender and race bigotry. Coleman didn't let anything stand in her way. 
Dr. Hart's mother's uncle, one James Herman Banning, was the first Black American pilot to be licensed by the U.S. government in 1926, and he served as the first chief pilot of the Bessie Coleman Aero Club, which was established in 1929 in honor of Coleman to support Black men and women in the field of aeronautics. The Bessie Coleman Aero Club ended up training many Black pilots, some of whom went on to serve as Tuskegee Airmen during World War II. They also sponsored the first all-black flight shows in the 1930s in Los Angeles, which raised money for the city unemployment fund at the height of the Great Depression. Hart said, Her legacy is the black men and women she inspired to follow her into the field of aviation. The first African-American woman to go into space, Mae Jemison, took a photo of Coleman into space with her. Today's episode is based on the article, Bessie Coleman, America's First Black Female Aviatrix, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Tara Yarlagata. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.